I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Financial Times, this is hard currency. Brexit is dominating everything. Not just sterling, but the euro, the yen, bond markets, equities, the options markets, and the deliberations of every central bank from the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Japan to the Swiss National Bank. I'm Roger Blitz and a warm welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. So how do investors trade the run-up to next week's referendum? And what are the prospects of things getting pretty hairy if the polls really are right and the UK votes to leave the European Union. Well, with me in the studio is John Wraith, Senior Economist at UBS. John, just give us a feel about market sentiment out there. It's been getting increasingly nervous, I think it's fair to say. The the past three, four weeks, we've seen a big move, of course, in opinion polls, in betting odds, probabilities, and the market is very much sensitive to those. So we've seen a big rise in risk premia, if you like, and fresh falls in sterling, which is all connected to the same issue. We had some hairy events at the start of the year with China and oil and the impact it had on the market. How does this one feel compared to those and previous ones? Well, I, th- I mean, clearly a key difference is we know the referendum's coming. I think yes. that the, those other moves the markets reacted to as they happened and they weren't necessarily forecast or it wasn't clear where those markets were moving to. Now we know the vote is coming and therefore any of the sort of options pricing and so on is all focused around mm the 23rd of June. You know, we know that on the 24th of June, the result will be clear, but the uncertainty is so severe in the run-up to it, we're seeing similar levels of volatility and risk aversion that we see in big market moves elsewhere. Indeed, it's been a back and forth with risk uh, all year, hasn't it? And there is a repricing of risk going on at the moment. Yeah, and again, it's, it's been connected to the way the opinion polls, for example, have evolved. So if you go back a couple of months, it, there was a fairly clear majority in most polls for Remain. It seemed that that was the way things were going to go and risk appetite was a little higher than it is now. But I think it was inevitable almost the closer we got to the vote, the more nervousness was going to mount. And mm. alongside that, there is the fact that the polls have clearly been narrowing and many now are showing leave ahead. And for markets, that, that is a, a source of great uncertainty. And there's been a difference in the options market. They've been quite ahead of it. But actually, you look at spot and cable and you see that actually for quite a while, it was actually Sterling was doing OK for most of the year, around 144. And it's only mm. since the polls have turned that we've seen cable, if in effect, catch up with the nervousness of, about Brexit. Yeah. And I mean, of course, in currency pairs, there's also the question of what the other side of the currency pair is doing. And in the US, although, you know, the recovery does continue, and they obviously don't have the direct risks anyway around the referendum, they have had their own issues as well. There's been a lot of pairing back of rate expectations there. So the US dollar has had some reason in and of itself to be fairly weak this year. And that's one reason why sterling has held up okay. Although, as you say, it's fallen again of late. And certainly in the options market, volatility has been elevated for a long time. Mm. And that tells you that there are big concerns that sterling is going to move a lot over the coming weeks. It's just the direction that's maybe unclear. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just that we've had some central bank meetings this week. All of them have mentioned Brexit. Is it an excuse in some respects or is it a serious uh, I think here 
now, it's a valid reason for all of these central banks. They do have a lot of concerns about their own domestic economies Mm -hmm. from a range of factors. And the referendum, clearly, in the first instance, is a very much UK-centric risk. But certainly, there can be spillovers, clearly, into Europe, as this is, in some part, a vote on Europe and the European systems. But then, of course, beyond that as well. So I don't think it's a major global risk in and of itself, but it could have major implications. I mean, the eurozone is used to crises. It seems to be pretty resilient at it. But to what extent might the euro start coming under sustained pressure if UK votes to leave? Well, I think, you know, for us, as I said, it's a UK issue first and foremost. Mm. And sterling is the currency that will move the most in the aftermath of the referendum, almost whichever outcome we see. Beyond that, I think the questions will start to be asked about the euro, Mm. particularly if the UK economy over the next let's say, six to 12 months is seen to be faring relatively well, at least compared to expectations. You know, there is anti-EU sentiment of one sort or another in a whole range of European countries. And if that starts to become more elevated and or we see some of the sort of stresses in peripheral bond spreads and so on we've seen in the past, then the focus will turn back to Europe and the euro could come under pressure. So that's a medium term view of where the UK economy could go post-Brexit. But in the short term, you're anticipating what in terms of how the BOE reacts? I think if the UK leaves purely on an uncertainty going from being a possibility to crystallising, you know, it is a fact that economic agents dislike uncertainty and Mm. therefore we'd expect the economy to slow quite significantly in the second half of the year in the event the UK leaves. As I say, beyond that, it's a more open question to us. And the Bank of England is already, or some members of the MPC, are starting to sound a bit nervous. Mm. So presumably they would start to consider the possible need for more monetary assistance to help the recovery. The return of QE then? We think it's possible. It's not our central forecast, but if growth doesn't... I mean, the growth in the first half of the year looks like being around 0.7% or something. That's pretty weak. And unless we see a reacceleration, so we get something like 2% for the year as a whole, the Bank of England is going to start feeling nervous that they are not going to be able to get inflation back to target over their usual sort of two-year horizon mm. without an extra accommodation. Indeed, Gertrude Vlieger, one of the MPC members, has said as much that he's going to want to see this reacceleration or he'll be starting to ask those questions. And yes, we do think QE is possible. They may cut rates once or twice, but that, of course, takes them to zero. Negative rates is not necessarily an experiment that, that's worked well in other economies, and the Bank of England has certainly sounded very cool on the idea of negative rates in the UK. Therefore, the markets at least will assume that QE would, would be the next logical step, I think. And key to all of this is how sterling performs if the UK votes to leave. What are the key considerations for the BOE? Is it about the size of the fall, the speed of the fall? Or is it, can the BOE, as some members of the Leave campaign believe, take a relaxed view if sterling falls, given you know, yeah. the obvious benefits I, to, I, to export? I think it's fair to say that you know, a fall in a currency is not a bad thing. It's necessarily, mm. I mean, it can be very helpful mm. in terms of adjusting to just economic realities. It will clearly, if sterling does fall a lot. It puts UK exporters in a better position, not least those who export outside the EU and therefore won't have any questions about what might happen to trade barriers in the future. They're suddenly in a much more competitive position, which of course is one of the reasons that currencies do fall to try and cushion economic slowdowns. I think for the Bank of England, yes, the speed matters, the scale clearly matters. 
it will impact on inflation, imported inflation, all else equal will rise if, if sterling falls sharply. But of course, one of the reasons sterling may fall a lot is precisely because the FX market will start to anticipate the possibility of more monetary easing. So yes. there's, there's a whole range of issues for the Bank of England to consider. We don't think they act rapidly after a vote to leave, if that's what we see. They've got long-term liquidity operations in place to protect the banking system. And any monetary policy decisions, we think, can wait for several months at least while they see how the dust settles, both in terms of the currency and, of course, the economic data over the coming months. But so much is about confidence here. And clearly, the UK economy has been suffering all year because a lot of investment has been put on hold Mm. until we know this outcome. So if the outcome is leave, Mm. what do you think is the likely impact on confidence? For example, flight of capital or, yeah. or actually whether... Well, I mean, as I said, I think it crystallises that uncertainty. Mm. And we know, whatever our other views, that the UK will enter a period where trading relationships and, and other relationships will be unclear in terms of how they're going to evolve. That isn't a favourable environment for investment, clearly. Investment decisions get made when those making them are confident about the outcome, when that investment becomes productive. So the inflows into the UK that the UK relies on for not least sterling to retain its Mm. current value Mm. will likely slow down. It's another reason sterling's likely to fall just Mm. because the current account will need uh, to correct. The deficit is too big, Mm. we would argue, in that uncertain environment. So that is a likely outcome that investment decisions will continue to be delayed. If the UK votes to stay, they may come back on tap, but that too is an open question. If the UK recovery has slowed excessively over the first half of the year, even a vote to remain will require a period of real reflection before investors will feel confident about the recovery getting back on track. So there are many questions to be answered over the next three to six months, whichever way the vote goes next Thursday. And the other impact of a sharp fall and a shift in BOE rates is other central banks will then presumably look to ease themselves. And that will have an impact on this currency understanding that that has been around since the Shanghai G20. That's going to put that under strain, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, it's part of the ongoing debate Mm -hmm. about whether it is right for any economy. I mean, I think the situation here is that global demand is insufficient. And therefore, some countries and economies have felt the need to try, let's be honest, to devalue their currencies so they can tap into more than their fair share, if you like, of global demand. And that's a competition which can only end badly because there isn't enough to go around. So it requires a sort of fair approach to this. I think in the case of sterling, if it fell because of a vote to leave the EU, that's outside the control of the Bank of England or, or the government. It's just a result of market forces. Whether it leads to a reaction from other central banks, I suppose, depends on how they're impacted. The eurozone is the most obvious place where they might feel a need to do more because the flip side of UK exporters being in a better place is that eurozone exporters will find life harder. So that's a possibility. And again, it's one reason to think the euro may fall further in due course. And the Bank of Japan is under such strain. Mm. I mean, a big drop this morning Mm. on the end. Mm. So uh, they must be champing at the bit to do something. Well, you know, they must be increasingly concerned. And and we know that at least the past two meetings, there's been some expectation they may do something. But as with all of these central banks, their amount of ammunition is a great deal less than it used to be. And they obviously feel a need to, to try and use it cautiously. If they try and throw more QE at the problem at every meeting and it's not working, they mm. put themselves in an even more difficult position. So 
So I'm sure they'd like to see less yen strength than they are. But, you know, the markets have obviously taken the decision they have in wake of what the Bank of Japan's mm. done. So as with all these other central banks, they have to think carefully about their next move. But for the moment, the attention is firmly on sterling. I just want to ask you finally, John, about great sterling shifts of the past. And where are we now? We're at a kind of a bit above 141. And if you mm. look historically, I mean, 140, whatever is thrown at sterling, 1992, global financial mm. crash, it seems to come back to this level. It's almost like a giant magnet that pulls the level back to this 140 level. Is it safe to go with history and assume that whatever the Brexit impact, we will still somehow come back to that level, even if we dip? Well, that may well be the case. I mean, I would suggest in the event of a vote to leave, it will go well below 140 Mm. for a period anyway. But of course, again, one of the reasons currencies adjust is to cushion economic slowdowns. And if you look back, for example, at the crisis, certainly on a trade-weighted basis, which is obviously the most relevant for the currency as a whole, sterling fell around 15% below where it is now, it needed to because the UK was so exposed to that financial crisis. And then having hit the bottom, it helped trigger the recovery that the UK has actually been enjoying almost ever since, to be honest. It's, it's been going on for almost seven years now, the UK recovery. And in the meantime, sterling has regained a fair bit of altitude even after the recent decline. So it will fall sharply in the first instance. But depending on how economic rebalancing, trade agreement negotiations, the process of leaving the EU unfold, it may well be the case that in a period of time, a year or two from now, sterling has hit bottom and and started climbing again, as long as the recovery does likewise. Blimey, a year or two from now, just worried about next week at the moment. Thanks very much to John Wraith of UBS. So we have less than a week to go now to Brexit. How pivotal is this event going to be? Do join us again next week for Hard Currency. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. It's presented by me, Patrick Jenkins, the financial editor at the FT, and I'm joined by a team and an external guest every week. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.